Hello and welcome back to Up The Villa podcast. If you're new to the channel, subscribe, get involved in the comment section down below. We want to hear your thoughts. This is the debrief. We have a look at Wolves v Aston Villa in a little bit more detail. Joined by Justin. I think I'm just going to button it for about five minutes and let Justin speak. So Wolves won, Villa nil. What are your thoughts? Um... <clears throat> It's, I've had I've had twenty four hours to um, to have a think about this. I suppose um, I think I was a bit pissed off after the game, frustrated really because they just didn't they didn't play as well as they have been over the previous eight, nine, ten weeks. Have they? I know the last couple of games the the levels have dropped, but I really thought being a derby, local derby, with four games to go, still massively in the hunt for Europe. Wolves off the back of an absolute hammer in the week before. I thought we could really go there and exploit him. In the first five or ten minutes, I thought we started well. I said to you, didn't I? I said, I think um, we've started well here. Hopefully, you know, this is good. And then ninth minute, they get that goal and, and all everything changed. We just, we was playing within ourselves. I think that was the problem. We was playing in our, within our shell. We didn't really get going. I mean, I, I think I would say we were at 60% of our maximum yesterday, yet we were still the best team on the pitch, in my opinion. It was too... Teams that were struggling, really, I think, to try and... The, the, neither team was flowing. Neither team was, was outstanding. We, we we was very bitty, but we created two amazing chances, one in each half. Ollie Watkins' header, which he absolutely should bury. And perhaps three or four weeks ago, that goes in. And then the one near enough near the end, uh, Taro Mings, his shot, which he should have at least put on target. So, for me, we should never have lost that game. Um, have they got the ability? Absolutely got the ability. They've proved it time and time again since Unai Emery's come in that they are good enough to, to, to play at this level and they're good enough to, to be, you know, good. But it, it does seem to be a mentality problem. Or, or, you know, I think that is the issue now. It's it's up here where, where they're losing games and they're, and they're not believing in themselves. So... I think it's something he'll have to look at. Something that, if anything, I think it's a, it's a, it's hard. It's not a bad thing to have happened, to be honest, because we've pushed ourselves into the European picture, which you know it's a different mindset, it's a different ability level to get into there. Uh, and and Emery's now seen that you know the players that that he can maybe trust and rely on up that top end of the Premier League table, and maybe the players that haven't been able to step it up and, and give him, you know, the consistency level that we do need. If we are going to retain a position in the top eight of the Premier League, you know, you've got to be good nine times out of ten, haven't you? So have the players, some of those players play themselves out of the squad for next season? Probably. So it's it was a really hard one to take. I'm fed up of losing to Wolves and not getting results mm. against Wolves. They seem to be our bogey team now, which is really disappointing. So yeah, it it was a disappointing day overall. Yeah, it was just bitterly frustrating, and you know you're in that concourse before the game, and it's so loud. It was brilliant, and then you stand there and sit there or whatever, and it's just quiet across that bottom rail of that the whole stand, and you know we're being baited for like ninety minutes, and then you sort of. Oh, get over your frustration just all over the place. But, um, you know, you, you make a great point about Unai Emery and what he's been saying recently because he's said, hasn't he, that it's one thing getting in the position 
but the next phase of staying in it can become quite difficult as well. So um, I, I think we've sort of met that block, haven't we, of actually like staying in those European positions and then not like, kicking on and keeping that consistency and and that, like you say, if it, I don't ever feel like we treat that game as a derby for a starter. I always feel like we just seem to just like rock up there and I, I look at it now and I, and, I, and I hear the message of what M was trying to get the players to be like calm, isn't he? He wants them to, to stay calm for the whole game. Like he wants them to stay calm playing out from the back. You can see that the players look quite relaxed during a 90-minute performance. They rarely look flustered, but you never really see that like little bit of a hurry up. You know, when there's a throwing or the ball goes out of play, you never really see any of them like quickly running to go and pick up that ball or or try and get it back in play. It all feels quite calm. And I think I, I think that sort of tempo vibe of sort of understanding that we've got to quicken it up a little bit and we are in a position that we were trying to get into Europe. So it, it never felt like when I was watching it, like we were there to go and sort of win the game. It felt quite going through the motions. I don't know if that's what you thought, but that that's the, the vibe I got from watching it yesterday. We just couldn't raise it to a level where I think we would have won the game comfortably. I, I, I really believe that at half time we went in one nil down and we were talking and, and, I, I genuinely thought, you know, if we could change change Toro, who was having a mare, um, put whoever else on, and I thought Bailey did okay when he came on. He was more of a threat than uh, than Toro was, which probably ought to be more than the threat than Toro, to be fair. Um, I thought we could rise it up. I really did. And, and, and we never, the second half was a very similar level to the first half. We had all the possession. You know, Wolves did make it. Let's not, you know, it wasn't a great Wolves performance by any stretch, but they did make it very difficult for us. They just they got the early goal and they just sat in. They was happy to sit back and hit us on the counter. I was talking to my neighbour today, he's a big Wolves fan, and, and he said that's the way we've been playing at home and that's the way they've been getting results. They've been nicking goals and just defending really well. They've got 10 clean sheets, I think he said, this season at home, which is, is unbelievable. He said, but when we've gone away, we haven't been able to play the same way, and we're getting we're getting beat quite comfortably in some of the away games. So it's obviously something they've hit on, it's something that's worked for them. And in the position they were in, they had to do anything really to pick points up. And it's not pretty. I wouldn't want to watch that week in week out, and I'd be surprised if he if he continues to play like that next season when he's got a clean sheet. Um, but but ultimately it was successful, wasn't it? And it, it it got them three points. So you you know if you're a Wolves fan, you're over the moon, aren't you? You've got the goal, you've got a clean sheet, you've won the game. For on a Villa perspective, for me, we just didn't do enough, and we wasn't busy enough. Players in really key positions didn't raise their game to the point where they have done recently. I think the three, particularly the three in behind Ollie Watkins, were the ones that. Basically, if they play well, we play well. I think that's how yeah. I see us at the moment. Um, the back how five many are very good. You said that. Yeah, well, this is the problem. There, the, that's the key area for us on the pitch. You've got the back five who are generally outstanding most weeks. You've got the two in the double pivot. Who, whoever plays there, whether it's McGinn, Kamara, or Louise, are generally sevens and eights every week. 
Um, Ollie Watkins needs the service, so he relies on those three in behind him to create chances for him, which we haven't seen for a couple of games. Um, and, and those three, I think, are the, it's, it's the area we're going to be massively looking at in the summer. You know, the creative engine room, if you like, of the side that has to take the heavy lifting in, in creating and, and, and putting chances and scoring as well. You know, they've got to score and, 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 and assist week in, week out. So it's it's, as I say, I think the manager, Emery, will look at that area and think, OK, you know, they've done fantastically well to get us where we are here. But if we want to be competing in that top six or seven places next year, we need an upgrade in two or three of those positions now. Yeah, and talking about player positions, did we see yesterday a slight evolution pending of our system and personnel? So any of you that know me through watching this know that I love tactics. I love, you know, looking at tactics, looking at how teams play, how teams set up. But I really do feel like uh, yesterday we maybe saw something a little bit of maybe what's to come. Now, we, you know, as Villa fans, we know that Moreno is our, our actively playing a little bit like a left winger, isn't he? He's a left winger playing at left back that sort of, if you look at all of our average positions during this season, Moreno is the one that's always um, a little bit a little bit further forward in this area here. Um, if you look at Manchester City this season, they've been playing with four centre-backs. And then what you're finding with them is that John Stones is actually playing as a central midfielder. We've now seen Trent Alexander-Arnold dropping into midfield now. So he's now playing as a central midfielder, but starting the game at right-back. And did we kind of see Villa tweaking our system a little bit? So what I mean by that is, instead of having an out-and-out right-back, we enabled, when Carlos came on, he went into central defence, Conta went to right back, and that gave us a bit more of a solid three. You saw that Carlos was pinging those balls into uh, Ramsey or pinging them into Moreno and Watkins. And I just think maybe that is something that we're going to be maybe doing next season. Um, so that's just an observation that I made. And maybe we are going to go with sort of like three centre-backs and then a left back, and then you you get more of that asymmetric vibe through there. You then have sort of like three centre backs that can come in and, and and cover and offer. You know, we've got more height in there, we've got more physicality, um, and, and and I think it may be something to keep our eye on. But like you say, Justin, I think the last couple of games it really does highlight a couple of positions where I think you can clearly see. What, where needs improving. I think this area here, the Ramsey position, I think maybe could do with looking at. This one, 110% needs looking at. Uh, definitely. And I think those are two areas that we, we need improving. So, so what do you make of that, Justin? Yeah, I think when we saw Carlos coming on, we we both well, we all three of us thought we were going to move to a three at the back and play with wing backs. Um, we didn't do that. We just shifted Conter across, and um, as Ryan has, has coined the phrase, a false right back. Um, so yeah, and it sort of worked. I mean, Conter's he's not a naturally attacking player, is he? I think he did a decent enough job there. I mean, if he's going to persevere in this system, then 
you know, I think the ideal player to play in that in that role, if I could think of a Premier League player off the top of my head, would be like a Kyle Walker type, who is in, he can play naturally at centre half, uh, but he can also get forward. He's, he's got that in his locker of playing at right back as well, so he can play both positions easily as, as comfortably. So he may look to maybe recruit someone that can sort of do that dual role as well. Um, the one highlight for me was Diego Carlos. I thought he was absolutely outstanding when he came on. I mean, the bloke's built like a, a machine, isn't he? You know, he, he, he's head, he headed the ball at one point. He went about 30 yards <laughs> and his passing range was absolutely phenomenal. Um, he, he's an absolute beast and you could see why they paid the money for him in the summer. And it, it was lovely to see him finally get off the bench uh, but he looked comfortable on the ball, you know, and he looks a proper, proper player. So that was a, what a massive highlight yesterday, getting him on the pitch and, and seeing him play. So he could be a huge addition to us next season. But yeah, there are certain roles that, that if you like, Emery's had to sort of put round pegs in, in square holes, hasn't he? Because he, he hasn't got the players maybe to play these these sort of hybrid positions that, that he likes. The right back that plays as a central defender, the left back that plays as a left winger. Moreno was probably the only one really because he's actually gone out and, and bought him to play that specific role. But the likes of Buendia and Ramsey have had to sort of adjust their games to fit in this new system and way of playing. And they've done well at times, you know, they they have had moments when they've looked outstanding, but they're not putting that consistent level of performance in that would mean that you wouldn't have to go looking elsewhere for players. So I think that is 100% where we're going to be looking to strengthen in the summer. Definitely. Right. So we'll go in normal debrief fashion, then we'll have a look at all of the stats and everything to do with the game, and then we'll just round it all off. So Villa had an XG of 1.48. Wolves had 0.76. Um, this was the match dominance on expected threat. Villa were in the blue, Wolves were in the orange. Uh, again, Villa heavily with an expected XG. Uh, shot map, Villa peppered the goal. Wolves had hardly any chances, really, did they? Um, this was the Wolves' average position. So they do tend to play with this asymmetric vibe as well um, and you can really see that they looked to get the ball out wide to Mateus Nunes, Neves um, their sort of threat up top was was very little wasn't it Villa's average positions are pretty much what you'd want it to look like really, you can see that uh, Ashley Young is a little bit more tucked in offering that cover, Moreno's further forward uh, you've got the double pivot through here. Ramsey a little bit further forward. Um, Troyore and Bailey doing their things over there. Uh, and then this was the Villa uh, passing network, which we showed on the match reaction. So you can see that it goes into the double pivot and it just really breaks down creativity-wise when it sort of gets into Ramsey, Buendia and, and Bailey. Uh, this was the change of creation from Wolves, and that is it from Aston Villa. But I just wanted to touch on some little player performances and some sort of stats of, of some of the players and, and, and how they played and how they impacted the game. So, Buendia on sofa score at the highest rating from a Villa player on uh, 7.5. Uh, and interestingly, he had nine ground duels and he won seven of them. Uh, he had two air, three aerial duels and he won two of them. He lost the ball 12 times. He had a 
passing uh, accuracy of 69.2%. If we have a look at Jacob Ramsey, he had a passing uh, accuracy of 84%. Uh, and he also won uh, four of his six ground duels, gave the ball away seven times. So this is a big one that I've sort of opened my eyes up to a little bit on this left-hand side, is that Moreno had 76% passing accuracy. And he gave the ball away 17 times. So he lost possession down that left-hand side 17 times against Wolves. Uh, Carlos came on, like you said about his heading, three aerial duels, three aerial duels won. So, you know, he, he, don't, he don't lose them aerial duels, which is great. Uh, Watkins had 75% passing accuracy, won one of his three ground duels, three of his six aerial duels. Uh, and Leon Bailey was on the pitch for 45 minutes and lost the ball nine times. Um, he won two of his five grand duels, one of his one aerial duels, 72% passing accuracy. So with all that said, Justin, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think it just basically highlights exactly what we saw on the day. Our eyes don't really deceive us that often. Uh, there was dominance for us. They were happy to keep us, to give us the ball. Um, the one thing about I was a little bit disappointed on was when Buendia came off because he came off our side and he was really, he wasn't happy to be taken off, was he? Now, whether that was just frustration that he, he, he maybe was hoping he could do something in the game or frustration that he, he maybe felt he hadn't, played that well I don't know but he wasn't happy being taken off and I think he's his overall attitude in the game you know he has this whether it's a South American trait of just oh, throwing his arms up in the air and frustrated and you know I think he had family in the stands because he kept looking over and waving at him just before the game kicked off so he was obviously keen to impress people in the <laughs> looked like he was waving at us at one point didn't yeah, he yeah <laughs> he did yeah um, so yeah I, I do get it you know he's keen to, to be a Premier League top player isn't he and it's just not happening for him, you know. It happens in bits, fits, and starts. He's got all the ability in the world, isn't he? I think he might feel the pressure in the next couple of games with uh, Coutinho now, you know, fit and, and, and able to maybe play some part in the game. So he might find his game time decreases even more over the next three games. Um, yeah, I, you know, I can't sit here and say I'm disappointed about the season at all or I'm over the moon with the manager we've ended the season with we're going to finish about 8th now more or less there's still a chance of finishing 7th we'd have to play out of our skins in the last 3 games which you know who says we can't do that we've certainly done it in the past so if we could regain some kind of form now that you know I'm not ruling out a, a late little dart for Europe but you know 8th at the start of the season would have been a dream for all of us so We've ended the season with a fantastic manager um, and so much to look forward to next season with this addition of the, the, the backroom chap as well coming from Barcelona, which is a huge coup for us. Um, so I'll, I'm, I'll, while I'm disappointed with individual games, and I have been there over the last week of the three games that we've had, we've dropped some disappointing points. The overall picture is we're in a massively strong position now to, to really attack next season on, on all fronts. You know, if we don't get Europe, then we can have a huge go at the two, you know, domestic cup competitions as well. So lots to look forward to, lots to be proud of with this team and lots to, uh, to, uh, to really get our teeth into for next season. Yeah. No, I don't think, I don't think any Villa fan is frustrated by the, the, the big picture. No. I mean that that's that's just 
that's just obvious. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, nobody's annoyed of of like how good we've done because everybody can clearly see the job that Emery's done, where we were, uh, how well we've done to get in this position. But I just think, you know, I remember saying a couple of weeks ago that like, our, like our mentality's got to change a little bit as well, and we've got to. We've kind of got to expect more because we should be expecting more of our players. We should be wanting us to push and compete and get into these territories of such fifth, sixth, seventh. Like the willingness of wanting us to do that, it's an okay expectation to have because of of what the players have done. You know, the players have showed us that they can compete. So yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Like that they've already yeah, yeah. shown us that they can beat top teams. So for us to to go to a game and want us to win and know that we could potentially have achieved something, I think that's where my frustration came from. It's not that I'm frustrated that we're not going to do it, and I'm looking at the season thinking it's been poor, and we, you know, I'm, I'm being negative. It's just that I'm I'm trying to put I'm trying to push the expectation because. I feel like I want to. Do you know what I mean? I think. Um, I'm, I'm... I think. I think the, when he came in, he, he obviously had to assess our squad. Now, I would say any team in that Premier League, wherever you are, whether you're bottom or you're top, I and mean, we saw you know Southampton getting a fantastic result the other week. Any team can get a result on the day because they've all got top players in every single Premier League team. Now the key is to 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 for that as we've said it all along, said it at the start of the season, consistency. Now we hit a level of consistency in those ten games that we all thought wasn't a fluke, it wasn't a one off, it was a, a well drilled, well organised, consistent run of results. Now when you do that for a long period of time, you think you've cracked it. So when you, the performance levels do drop off, I presume the manager and, and his coaching and his analytical team then has to go away and go, okay, wh- why has that happened? We've done nothing different in those three games as we did in the 10 where we're getting really good results. And it, it can only be the, the players' possible mentality issue, that, that, that whether they... Or or I could be being harsh and saying it literally was because we were flogging them to death almost because we had a very small squad and that eleven were playing week in week out. Maybe it was that they just ran out of steam, you know, and the legs were, were gone a bit, um, and they did need, you know, you look at City the way they come on strong at the end of the season, they, they do that because they've got two world class players in every single position on the pitch, and he rotates from the from day one of every season he'll rotate and his results. At the start of the season, aren't always as good as they are in this title running because he's got twenty-two fully fit and fresh players for every single game because he'll play, you know, he'll change seven or eight players each game. We can't do that, so I think that isn't there is a natural drop off in 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 that for us. I think that's definitely caught up with us, um, but there is definitely as well players' mentality that that he, he, he probably will go away and question now and find players that maybe can. Do it week in, week out. And we are going to be buying a better calibre of player, I think, in the summer. Players that have done it consistently for 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 season on season on season. You know, have basically played at the top level, the top six in every single league they've played in. And it is a different mentality, a different way of playing, if you like, isn't it? And, and carrying that burden on your shoulder. So there's a lot to take in. He's, he's learnt a lot this season and, and we're going to be better for it come next season. I firmly believe that. 
Definitely, cool. So that will be it for the debrief today. And we'll be back tomorrow with a football phone-in where we'll be hearing the thoughts of Villa fans. So uh, that's going to be a really good episode hearing what they've got to say as well. So um, cheers, everyone, for watching. Um, thanks a lot. And uh, we'll speak to you all soon. Up the Villa. Up the Villa. <laughs>